0: Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. Once, I had it all under control. I had a plan, and a schedule, and a list. In fact, I had a list for my lists. I was busy and efficient and calculated. I went to church and read the Bible in the time I had planned to do so. And God understood my need for a schedule. I made sure everything on my list was completed at the end of each day, and I was considered successful and efficient by worldly standards. But I only had time for relationships during allotted time slots. I was stressed, anxious, and blamed my often bad attitude on inefficiency and other people's lack of planning. I had migraines often. I developed a heart condition. I gained 30 pounds in one year. I became more and more frantic and I had less and less time for God. His time slot was filled sometimes first thing in the morning or more often at night before I fell asleep. Peace and joy were foreign to me. Who has time for that anyway? And that is where Jesus found me. He knocked me off of my self-made throne and destroyed my plan. He showed me a better plan, a plan of peace and hope, and joy beyond my wildest dreams. He freed me from myself and from my lists, all of them. Now he is in control, and he uses me in ways I could not even imagine. I am no longer on my schedule, but I am on his. I have time for people. I am not overwhelmed or crippled by anxiety. My migraines are rare. My heart condition is gone. I am healthy. And Isaiah 26, 3 reigns true in my heart. He keeps me in perfect peace because my mind is stayed on him, because I trust him. I am Alexis Hall, and I am all in. (laughs) The reading today is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 17. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. "'Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light.'" This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Alexis. So I called Alexis and asked her if if we could get together for lunch, and she said she just didn't have time in her schedule. So, uh. so if you are visiting with us this morning, uh, often, actually most Sundays, what we what we've been doing at the beginning of at the message time is is get into small conversation groups of of three or four people. And uh, introduce yourselves so that we can really get to know the people that we're sitting around. And then I want you to answer one question this morning. And this is kind of an icebreaker question. But what is one thing that you choose to do? Not something that someone else makes you to do. But one thing that you choose to do that is a huge time waster. All right? So get a little vulnerable with each other. Turn around, introduce yourself, and answer this question. Okay, so I asked you to, um, to talk about that because we are in this series, as Beth mentioned, called All In, in which we are talking about the power of, of making commitments and keeping commitments because there's a, there's a tendency in our culture to, to not do that. We're kind of commitment-phobic at times because we want to keep our options open and we think that there's real freedom. If I don't have to commit here, then something better can come along. But the truth is that we, we really discover our identity or, or, or we find real freedom in the things that we commit to. And so we've been talking the last three weeks about one of the things that God calls us to commit to is relationships and, and what that looks like to be in committed relationships. And last week, we, we talked about the fact that, that committed relationships have to be significant parts of them need to be done in person, right? Right? That you don't build significant relationships through email or, or text or Twitter or SnapFace or whatever it is you do. Um, you, you've got to do it in person, not through technology. Well, I want to kind of stay with that technology theme a little bit this morning because we're, we're talking about if we're going to be all in with God and all in with each other, then a significant component of that has to, uh, has to do with our time. What we do with our time. There's a, a guy 2,000 years ago named the Apostle Paul. Actually, his name wasn't Apostle Paul. His name was just Paul. But he was leading the early Christian movement and he wrote the words that Alexis read for us just a few moments ago. And he was talking about what what an all-in life looked like. If you're a child of God, you're a child of the light, and you're going to um, expose what's dark, and you're going to live in these, in these particular ways. And then he gets to these, these uh, last couple of uh, verses in the text that she read that I want us to focus on this morning. Paul wrote this, Be careful then how you live. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time. Because the days are evil. So do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, I think Paul would have been totally on board with our tech savvy, ever Googling, um, you know, we've gone mobile and we're never going back culture. He would have been totally on board with that. But notice what he says. He says, live as wise people, making the most of time. Paul is talking about efficiency. If you stop and and think about it for a moment, efficiency is one of the chief things that that drives our technological progress. Mark Zuckerberg um, said of his company, the thing we are trying to do at Facebook is just to help people connect and communicate more efficiently. And we know that it's not just about communication that technology is made more efficient. It's all kinds of things in our life. Um, how many of you did all of your Christmas shopping online? How many of you do all of your shopping online? Yeah. Deanne and I never go to the grocery store anymore. Fresh direct, baby. And it gets inter- it comes right to our apartment. I mean... Things are so much more efficient these days. With all of this technology, if there was ever a day, that, ever a time that we were able to make the most of our time, it's today. And so when the apostle Paul says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time, I have no doubt he would have loved this day and age. I think Paul would have been texting and Googling and emailing. And I think he would have had a Twitter account. I think he would have had a, a website, askpaul.com. You know, <laughs> he would have been blogging. He would have been all over the place with this. But I want you to notice these these bookends that he puts on this command of make the most of your time. These are two very important verses. On the front end, he says, be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. And then he ends with, so do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. As we think about how we live as people seeking to follow God, if we want to go all in, in the 21st century, those verses are so important. See, Paul was a great advocate of efficiency. But he also understood that our ability to be efficient came with a risk. It was true in their day. It was true with Paul. And it's, it's probably more true with us. And that is we can be efficiently moving in the wrong direction. Said another way, it's possible to be engaging our technologies, but to be engaging them toward the wrong end, to be moving toward the wrong, um, in the wrong way. Anybody, can anybody tell me without Googling who Fritz Haber was? Any Fritz Haber people? No. Um, Fritz Haber was a... Nobel Prize winner in chemistry back in the early 1900s. And he, uh, through his genius, discovered a way to synthesize ammonia out of the atmosphere and create this thing that we call fertilizer. Fritz Haber is the father of fertilizer. Fertilizer. And fertilizer is responsible, according to some estimates, for feeding half of the world's population. Um, Bill, Ga- Bill Gates even said that two out of every five people on the planet owe their very lives to fertilizer. You see, H- Haber used his mind, he used his time and, and, and to efficiently do this thing that, that would feed the growing population of our planet. And in a sense, he was bringing kingdom value to the world because of what he did. But there's a dark side of Haber because a few years later, Haber used his mind and his time to create... Um, a gas that was used in World War I to kill a lot of soldiers. And that gas then was used as the foundation for a gas that would, that would become Zyklon B, which would kill millions of Jews in Nazi concentration camps. Um, ironically, Haber was a Jew. And so you've got this one mind... You've got this, you know, these two tools. One is for kingdom ends, good ends. The other is for destruction. You see, the, the, the challenge is we've got to be wise because we can use our time, we can use our gifts to go in one direction or another. Now, most likely for you, the temptation around technology is not going to be toward chemical warfare, Um, but it could be toward something like pornography. You know, we live in a world where sexual experiences are just a click away. It's efficient, but it's efficiently eroding our souls. Maybe, um, maybe for you, it's, hours of binge watching on Netflix, or or ESPN, or maybe you're playing video games. It's efficient. It's efficient at escaping the reality of, of our lives. See, the The challenge that's actually facing our world today is not laziness. It's not motivation. It's not lack of brilliance. The the greatest challenge facing our generation is one of direction. We will move somewhere efficiently. Technology has ensured that. We're not going back. The question is, will we efficiently move the right way? If we're going to be all in with God and all in with what he calls us to, we need to be wise in how we use our time. So what does it mean to do the thing that Paul so adamantly said we are to do? What does it mean to make the most of our time? Well, first, it means that we need to get really clear about our purpose. What is your purpose in life? See, there is a symbiotic connection between what our purpose is and how we spend our time. If we want the moments, the the minutes, the hours that we spend to be spent in the right way, we have to start by getting really clear on the purpose so we know what direction we need to be investing our time in. You have to be able to answer the purpose question. Paul understood that, and this is why he writes... To the Ephesians, so boldly he says, "Understand what the will of the Lord is." What Paul is talking about there is, is something called the kingdom of God, and we've we've talked about the kingdom of God here often. And Dallas Willard defines the kingdom of God is the effective range uh, of God's will. In other words. Um, the Kingdom of God is where what God wants done is done, and so we experience pieces of the kingdom of God when when radical love is is being um, being expressed. We see the kingdom of god when when there is is uh, dignity being given to to the poor and and the disenfranchised and 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 the lonely, we see the kingdom of God when there's real community taking place, and when people who have been who have been uh, divided for so long are reconciled. We see the kingdom of God when when artists are using their gifts to to put on display the mystery and the beauty. Um, of the creator God, and we're we're drawn back into that. We see the kingdom of God when people who have no hope are given hope because of this person, Jesus, who came and gave his life so that we might be reconciled back to the Father. See, those are examples of, of the kingdom of God. And so when Paul says, make the most of your time, he's saying, pour all of your resources Pour all of your energy, pour all of your time, your talent, your skills, your computers, the things that you can do that no generation ever before you has been able to do. He says, take all of that and put it to use for God's kingdom. That is your purpose. That is God's will for you. And it is toward that end that we are to be efficient. Anywhere Jesus went, there was no mistaking his purpose. He was always trying to communicate his purpose. And there's this great story in John chapter 5 where he heals a man who's been sick for a really long time, 38 years. And we've, we've talked about this story before. But there's a, there's a, a piece of the story that, that we may kind of skip over. When Jesus heals this man, he tells him to pick up his mat and walk. You remember this story? So he tells him to pick up his mat and walk. This is a key statement because the text says the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. Apparently, they didn't do yoga on the Sabbath. Sabbath just saying. So these religious leaders find Jesus and John continues. He says, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at work to this very day and I too am working. Jesus wasn't opposed to the Sabbath. What Jesus was opposed to was anything that thwarted his purpose. Anything that came against his mission. I think that's why Jesus tells this man to pick up his mat. Do you think Jesus forgot that it was the Sabbath? No. Jesus could have said to the guy, hey, you're healed, but, dude, let's not make a big deal of this. Let's not make a fuss. You know, leave your mat here. Take an Uber home. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to stir anything up by this. You can come back. Your mat will still be here tomorrow. Nobody wants that thing. But that's not what Jesus does. Instead, he says, pick up your mat and walk. Why? Why? Because he knows that everybody else is going to say, that guy's working on this. He knows it's going to draw attention to this. And he wants people to know that nothing gets in the way of the purpose that he's been called to. The kingdom purpose. Friends, I realize that following Jesus' example is easier said than done. And in the world that we live in, there are all kinds of purposes that can take priority. Um, Purposes like wealth or prestige or reputation or comfort or pleasure. None of those things is necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But it can't be the main thing. It can't be the thing that, we, that drives us. So what's your purpose? If you want to be efficiently moving in the right direction, if you want to be making the most of your time, you have to be crystal clear about the end goal. You have to be crystal clear about the purpose to which God has called you. The most important thing about being all-in regarding our time is we have to know our purpose. We have to understand what God's will for our life is. Second, we have to pay attention to opportunity. In the the translation that um, Alexis read, the the word translated the word for time can also be translated as opportunity because it's the word kairos and it's a it's a nuanced word and and what what kairos means is it's not talking about you know what time is it that's not kairos uh, it's kairos is about a about a moment it's about it's about uh an opportunity for the kingdom of God to to crash into our mundane day to day existence. It's where we allow God's kingdom to invade um, our our time. Does that make sense? So we have to pay, we actually have to be on alert. We have to be on the lookout for these kairos moments. I want to show you a picture of cutting-edge technology in the ancient Greco-Roman world. What is this? It's a road. More specifically, it is a Roman road. And this was cutting-edge technology in Paul's day. These Roman roads uh, brought a stability to to the country. They made travel faster and easier. They increased economic efficiency. Um, This was revolutionary technology. But do you know what Paul saw when he saw a road? What do you think he saw? He saw opportunity. Opportunity to take the gospel to the next place. You see, he saw opportunity. He saw this as a Kairos moment. Because of this, I can move the good news of Jesus down the road. I can take the kingdom of heaven to a place it's never been before. I can take the love of Jesus to a people who have never experienced it. You see... Because of this technology, um, Jesus was spread all over Europe. You might even go so far as to say that, that our church, Trinity Baptist, exists at least in part because of this technology. Let me give you a more contemporary example. I read an article recently about the Syrian refugee crisis. And um, I, don't, I don't know, I can't imagine what it would be like to be a refugee, to be displaced from my country, to be forced to leave my country and to go into a place that I don't know. But millions of Syrians are having to, to flee their, their homeland, and they're going into places like Jordan and Egypt and Greece. And and, um, and as a refugee, when they come into these countries, there are humanitarian agencies or organizations that are trying to help them. And they'll give them canned food, and they'll give them blankets, and they'll give them things that they think they need. But that's pretty dehumanizing in and of itself, Right? And so there's some technology that that's been developed where what they're doing now in Jordan is that they are when some a refugee comes in, they put them into a they register in them in an electronic database. And and Syrians, I don't know if you know this, are pretty technologically savvy. Most of them have smartphones. And so they'll they'll give them a number and and they will send them um, uh, electronically a voucher that they can then go to an ATM. They scan their eye at these ATMs, which which identifies them with this database that they've registered in, and they can get cash. Now, think about that. what that does. Now, I don't have to take a handout from someone of someone's having pity on me giving me a blanket which I may or may not need and canned food which I may or may not need but now I can go into a store and I have money and I can buy what I need. How much more dignifying is that? And I don't know the background of, of the guys who use their time and their talents and, and utilize technology to, to create this But what they did was kingdom stuff. That was kingdom advancement as it brought dignity to these disenfranchised people. And friends, that's what we're called to do. We are are called to to look at, at these opportunities, these kairos moments and say, I can bring the kingdom into this moment um, how many of you have a smartphone? Okay, can um, all of us just chip in? There were like two people who didn't. Let's just chip in and buy those two people's a smartphone. Uh, we hold in our hand a tool that enables us to bring the kingdom of God into any situation, any time. Do you know that? Let me, let me just challenge you to do this. This week, when you're waiting in line somewhere and you're tempted to just take out your phone and scroll through your face nap and, and um, <laughs> you know, or, or play that bubble game that I see people play or, what you know, if you're sitting on the subway, rather than do that, just ask the Lord, how can I make the most of this time? What, it may just be a couple of moments, but what can I do as I'm waiting in line at Starbucks that can advance your kingdom? Is there someone that needs to be encouraged today? Can I just shoot a text to say, I love you and God loves you and I just want you to know that. What can you do to, to make the most of that time Here's what, I, what I'd like for you to do. I'd like for you to get back into the same um, conversation groups. And for about the next 90 seconds, um, reintroduce yourself if you need to. But um, actually do that just so that people don't feel awkward. And, and then I want you to do this. I want you to think of one thing that you will, that you will do this week to redeem some time where you can say, I'm gonna, I, I usually waste this time but I'm gonna make the most of this time to bring the kingdom into this time. Let me make one last point and we'll, we'll wrap this up because I wanna make the most of the time. If we're gonna be all in regarding our time, first, we need to be clear about our purpose. Second, we need to pay attention and look for opportunities to to bring God's kingdom in. And third, as we learn to live efficiently, given the world and the technology that we have, we have to trust that the time we've been given for that purpose is enough. Trust that the time that you have is enough. Recent studies have shown that despite our technological efficiencies, most people feel like we have less time than ever before. You feel that way? You just, you can't ever get it, seem to get it done. Um, There's more stress, there's more anxiety, and... This is largely due, the studies say, that because the speed of technology is so fast, it has created more work for us. Over 50% of emails are now read on a mobile device. Used to, we'd say, oh, I've got an hour, I'm going to sit down at my computer and I'm going to catch up on email. Now we're just always catching up on email. We're just always connected. We're always working. We're always on. Um, And so for many of us, that means that we live with this lingering sense of, I just don't have enough time. In John chapter 6, Jesus was again talking about his kingdom purpose, which he was always talking about. And he said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. Jesus was always talking about his kingdom purpose. And he was always on mission. But if you read through the Gospels, you will find that Jesus was never in a hurry. You will never see a verse that says, and Jesus ran. It's not there even when people were sick even when people were dying Jesus didn't get anxious he didn't get stressed he went about the purpose that God had called him to he let the things that that were about kingdom purpose drive his life his time with the lord his with his father his time with his his friends his You know, his ministry, I mean, he was on point. And when he gets to the end of his life, the last words he said from the cross, and many of you will know this, is, it is finished. In other words, I've done what I came to do. Friends, God will not call you to a life that you don't have time to live. You see, what Jesus' life does for us is it gives us permission. It gives gives us permission to invest our best energies, our best innovation, our best thinking, our best creativity to, to give all that we can for the kingdom of God. But it also gives us permission to stop and to rest. It gives us permission to leave our phone in the other room for an hour. Some of you are shaking just me saying that. You know, oh my God. You know, it gives us permission to not do email for a day. Because what Jesus' life reminds us is that it's not your kingdom. It's his, and you're not in charge. He is, and by the way, if you live your life to expand your kingdom, the world's not going to be that much better. If you live your life to expand his, it will change the world. If you're in a place this morning where you're thinking, man, that's just not me. My, my life is so busy. It's so packed. I don't have enough time. I get that. I feel that. That's the culture that we live in in this city. And if that's you this morning, today maybe the invitation is for you to simply return to the question of purpose. What's true of Jesus is true for you too. That God has not called you to a life that you don't have time for. Maybe today your prayer is simply, God, remind me of my purpose. Remind me that it's your work. Help me to know the peace that comes when I surrender and say, I have enough time. Friends, going all in, going all in with God means we go all in regarding our time. Are we using our time wisely regarding the purpose to which God has called us? Are we making the most of every opportunity where we're we're looking for opportunities to, to bring in the kingdom of God? And are we trusting that the time God has given us is enough? Are we resting in Him? Have you got the time? Yeah, you do. God has given us all the time we need. But it is our job to make sure that we're making the most of it. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I am so grateful that well, that you modeled for us what, what living a life of purpose looks like and how to live wisely, how to make the most of our time, how to understand that the will of God is to press the kingdom of God into every situation we have opportunity to do so. Lord, I pray that as people who follow you, we would go all in and we would, we would look at our calendars. We would, we would say, am I, am I really spending the time according to my purpose? And even, Lord, if, if as we go through our days, when we have those, those moments that are, are potentially wasted moments, help us not to waste them. Help us to keep asking the question, Lord, how can I use this time for you? Lord, convict us, encourage us, enable us to make the most of every opportunity for your namesake. Amen.